The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the new breed tech platform used by 15,000 recruiters worldwide. Vincere is the secret weapon for progressive recruitment firms. It provides recruiters with everything they need to scale from CRM slash ATS through to online timesheets, websites and analytics. A true all-in-one growth platform built by recruiters for recruiters. Learn more about Vinny's story on my exclusive interview with their founder on episode 43 of this podcast. If you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to accelerate growth, visit vincere.io slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Welcome to Talent Talk Asia podcast. Today, you have tuned into a unique talent acquisition series where I showcase powerful voices in the TA industry across Asia. In this series, we discuss the most pressing challenges facing TA leaders in the wake of the talent revolution, and our guests will share some of the top tips on how to best overcome them. My guest today is Victoria Murphy, Head of Talent Acquisition for Asia Pack at JLL. They're a world leader in real estate services. They buy, occupy and invest in a variety of assets, including industrial, commercial, retail, residential and hotel real estate. Now, she started her career in Office Angels back in the UK doing agency recruitment and has progressed her career through head of TA vendor strategy to account directors to the head of HR vendor management for the likes of Standard Chartered, moved on to Alexander Mann and was the head of TA there for implementation and transformation. She's worked at Randstad, she's worked at Corn Ferry, and now in December 2021, she's the head of talent acquisition for APAC. We are delighted to have her on the show. And in our conversation, Victoria offers a look into the future of talent acquisition. She she shares her insights on flexible working, the evolution of TA and the habits to instill in your career to be a successful TA professional. This is what we have in store for you today. The business at the moment, they want everything tomorrow. Um, But we're not dealing with widgets. We are dealing with humans and change does take time. So we're going through this need to transform while still delivering and you know the and the analogy that i use i know many people do is that that idea of swapping out and adding new engines on the plane as we're actually flying it is is so real so we've got to be um you know we've got to be really careful in 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 how we're setting expectations and and avoiding the, the use of words like quick um because when we when my colleagues in HR, because of course we all want to please the business, and so we've got, oh yes, we'll get it done quickly. It's like, actually, can we set expectations? We've really got to make sure we're set. Enjoy the show. Hi, Victoria. Good morning. Great to be with you. Yeah, good to be with you too. We are we are we are um, recording this virtually, so um, I haven't yet met you face to face. So I'm hoping one day when the stars align that we can actually say hi to each other face to face. I look forward to that. Likewise, very much right. so. And welcome on the Talent Talk Asia podcast for this first ever talent acquisition series. It's the first time we're actually doing this, so this is this is damn exciting. Um, so let's kick off. So. You have over 23 years of experience. What inspires you about the talent industry? Yeah, I, I um, 
so, so much um, and I have the grey hairs to show for it. But I think if I was to um, simplify it, I think for me personally, it's the impact that we can make on the business's ability to, to grow and transform. Um, I think particularly within town acquisition, we can um, we get that opportunity to understand all parts of the business areas that we support. And, and the fact of how we were is actually the same. It truly is global. Now, whilst we absolutely have local culture and the, the, the different nuances that do impact hiring, what I've certainly found over my, over my years and over my tenure is that recruitment is the same the world over. So I just feel like I can just speak the same language any country I go, go, go into, and we just adapt those local nuances. The, the ability to impact the business growth and, and transform a business is just amazing. Especially in these times, it's pretty exciting times right now, isn't it? it yeah. <laughs> it's faster than ever. It is fast. I've never known it to be so far. Yeah, same, same. I th- yeah, I think I think a lot of people are feeling the same, aren't they, in terms of just the speed of the amount of highs that are going on and kind of that whole war for talent. But we're going to we're going to certainly get into that. So let me just let the listeners know a little bit more about your background. So in December 2021, you moved from Corn Ferry to JLL as the head of talent acquisition, APAC. So what, what sort of motivated you to move from Corn Ferry into JLL? It was a really tough decision, a really tough decision. Um, but the challenge that that I faced, and I'm sure many others do, that uh, talent acquisition leads is that it's in, in Asia Pack is that it's very rare that you find a role with this complexity that's actually based out of Asia. Typically, they run them out of the Americas or EMEA. So the opportunity to lead on something that that is this transformational, absolutely caught my attention and then um and here I am seven seven months later. Tell me a little bit more about your role there. Yeah, so I am leading talent acquisition across all business lines across Asia Pacific. And um, you know, it, what what what's amazing and why we talk about the transformational side of it is that as a business, like many businesses, we're really focusing on business line governance versus necessarily geographic governance. I think COVID has accelerated that way of behaving because we've suddenly realized that we can connect um, without being in the country. And so, so as I've come on board, it's, it's about the, the TA function that was, was built over the last four or five years and now elevating it and changing it at the same time that the, that the business is going through those changes as well. So if you can imagine, maybe historically, you would have had, had a team of recruiters looking after many business lines in one country, we're now looking at how we can um, have the recruiters specialise into a business line across more than one country. So we're turning yeah. it. And what do you see? And what's the impact of that then already now that you're shifting towards that model? Yeah, it, it, it's tricky because it, ironically, it's actually not necessarily the, the recruiters that are challenged with that because actually they, they, they love the opportunity of learning more, of doing something different. The, the challenge sometimes is the business feeling that that well but, but we but we're used to this way of working with so so it's very much it's it's change management it is communication and change management very well, I suppose from a candidate perspective they well from the, the 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 talent that the recruiters can provide to that line manager is going to be far more broader though aren't they instead of just that the uh, just their geographical reach so they're going to have a wider spread of talent that they can show that line manager right 
very, very much so. I yeah. mean, and that's the other thing that excited me about the stroll is the, is, is the scale. So we've already hired uh, just over five and a half thousand um, new employees into JLL this year alone in Asia Jeez. Pacific. So because of that, we can scale to build teams that way. And like you say, the candidate experience, the hiring manager experience, once we're up and running and we've gone through that transformation, then it, it will it will absolutely tackle one of our biggest changes, which is the speed of change. You know, quite rightly, the business at the moment, they want everything tomorrow. Um, but we're not dealing with widgets. We are dealing with humans and change does take time. So we're going through this need to transform while still delivering. And, you know, the, and the analogy that I use, I know many people do, is that that idea of swapping out and adding new engines on the plane as we're actually flying it is, is so real. So right we've got to be, um, mm. you know, we've got to be really careful in, in, in how we're setting expectations and, and avoiding the, the use of words like quick. Um, because when we, when my colleagues in HR, because of course we all want to please the business. And so we'll go, oh yes, we'll get it done quickly. It's like, actually, can we set expectations? We've really got to make sure we're yeah. Yeah, because you don't need to compromise quality either, do you? You know, you want to be speed, but you don't. You, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Making sure you're managing expectations um, with the business so that you're not then putting those pressures on on the team. What have been some of the major challenges that you faced in the role? Has it been particularly that part, or have there been other things that have kind of kept you up at night in those early days of starting with um, JLL? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. I think um, I think for me there was. Um, uh, and again, I think anybody going into a new role, into a new organization, there is a sense of you've got to deliver on what your role is, but you also need to get up to speed on the company that you work for. And when you're operationalizing a talent acquisition function, it is equally as important to know what's going on in the business as it is in your own function. So I think that comes back to the speed of change. You know, the business see you come in and go, oh, fantastic, this is great. Um, we're going to do this, this, and this. And six months later, it's like, oh, well, we're not really seeing big, big bands. And I think it's that, that actually in talent acquisition, you don't see or feel big bands. And I refer to it as like moving a big ship. Now, I could move a big ship really quickly, but then the probability is that it would then go back to where it was and we wouldn't have actually moved where we needed to get to. So, you know, to me, it's like, let's do it in bite size pieces because as we're moving that ship my intention is we never go back we carry on going forward um i use a term a lot um that i think my team are going to get me a t-shirt actually saying let's not boil the ocean i'm a, I'm a big believer um, i come from a big change management background and i'm a big believer not to boil the ocean because we'll just dilute what it is that we're trying to achieve um also creating habits um it takes time. It truly takes time. And I think it's incredibly important that if we do it in bite type, bite, bite sized pieces, we can also course correct if we do make the wrong decisions. So, yeah, I think the, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I evaluate where I am now, it is, it's the speed. Um, but, but the people are incredible. The, the, everybody's intentions are to do the right thing. Um, it's just we wish we had more hours in the day. 
<laughs> yeah, if you did, you would fill them up. That's the thing, isn't it? I'm really keen to sort of talk, sort of talk about the flexible working side. You know, now that we've got the hybrid model, that we, obviously I think we we agree that it's here to stay. Is there a risk that employees feel out of sight or sort of out of mind, and that they are less well positioned to influence their career path internally? Yeah, but very, very much so. And I think the challenge that we all face here is that, and as people managers, is that it's incredibly personal for everyone. So what we do know is the critical piece is hybrid, you know, has become or is becoming the new norm. And how that balance and focus starts to play out is going to be personal to each and every one of us. Um, you know, from, from my perspective, it's about planning ahead. Um, and having very deliberate career position conversations has to become the new norm. I think that when you're in the office, it was very easy to just fall into the natural conversation. But if we're doing hybrid and you're not in the office at the same time that your line manager is, then it, it's, it, it won't happen as well, maybe, for some people. So, uh, yeah, it, it, to me, it, yeah, and, and I think particularly in, in Asia, you know, in some countries, culturally, um, historically, it would be very much that, and I've had this this from my team members where they say, well, no, you're my line manager. You tell me when I'm ready for, for my promotion. And and now it becomes even more important that, that, is, that they can't wait for that anymore. So it, it becomes even more important that we truly take control of our own. Right. So they're, they're driving that. It, yeah. It's, but as a line manager, we need to be mindful that it is going to feel different and, and, and so that that becomes really really important and is there is there more emphasis on certain age groups or certain groups of people that you find that needs to be more focus on those or do you feel that it, it really is across the board i'm i'm finding i'm really finding it's across the board and okay i i think when i was younger i used to, i i used to see or feel that there were stereotypes more and more but I actually, I think it's mind, I, I actually think it's mindset yeah. um, versus age, demographic. Um, yeah, if I give myself as an example, I, I, I laugh that sometimes I say I was born in the wrong generation purely because of my, my uh, read for technology. I'm an absolute techie geek. Um, and, and my friends remind me on a regular basis, like, no, Victoria, I, I can't just pick that phone up and know how to, you know, so it, it's not, it's, it's not, and, and yet sometimes, um, you know, I won't be as, as forward thinking about other things. So, you know, when I, when I look at my team, when I look at my colleagues, my friends, I just think it's a different, I think our brains just operate so differently in so many ways. Appreciate that. So with the ability to feel less location bound, do employees feel less commitment to their current employer or will they feel the opportunity to grow within the organisation now they have increased flexibility? Again, I think this comes back that it's so personal again to each and every person because what motivates somebody to, to feel loyalty towards a company is, is different. Um, and I think this is where the, the epitome of situational leadership is going to become more importantly than ever as um, people managers. Um, yeah. I've, I've had the privilege of managing teams remotely since 2008. So 
it was something that was always top of mind because I finally learned in the first few years that 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 actually the situation leadership becomes more apparent. So I think the mix of people managers thinking differently in the employee is where is with the employees is is where we need to to adapt to it it's so personal and that's going to be harder because that takes longer and it's more work and situational leadership is not easy you can't just turn it on I I know it's taken me yeah it's quite intentional isn't it and it's it's not just necessarily the leadership it's also looking at the person have they got the skills the capabilities you know it's okay if you've you're trying to go trying to do a coaching leadership style but you've got a graduate that doesn't actually necessarily have the skills right now you've got a you know, it is going to be more pace setting, isn't it? It's just knowing, like, giving the tools to the managers to know how to adapt, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What sort of JL, JLL's policy on returning to the office, if you don't mind me sharing that? Is that, you know, I know you guys obviously have probably the most amazing office. Um, so were people kind of desperate to get back there or did they still kind of push for a bit of a hybrid model? What was, what was your, what's your experiences? Yeah, I, I, honestly, we are all in one very big social ex- experiment at the moment, as far as I'm concerned. Um, look, you know, for, for, from our perspective, a large part of our business is about the workplace. So you can imagine that's a rather important subject for us. For us. Yeah. So, you know, the power approach is hybrid. And whilst we're not dictating coming back to work, um, again, it goes back to what I was mentioning earlier about whilst recruitment is the same globally, You've got your local nuances the same mm. here. Each country is is playing to its local con- cult- country culture um, as to what's the ideal approach. Um, again, we're seeing a real mix. Um, you know, everybody is learning, and and we've got that we've got so much to overcome. Overcome. You know, I I hear comments like, oh, but I'm not as productive, or oh, I have to pay to, for my travel again, or I had so much flexibility when I was at home. But in the same conversations I hear from, from people, it's like, oh, it's so wonderful to be back with people. So I think it's, I think it's, yeah. crazy, you know, it, it's taken us two years of these learned behaviors to get where we are today. Yeah. And we have to be patient and we have to be um, quite deliberate in our planning. It comes back to being more organized and planning ahead, organizing face-to-face meetings, but organizing face-to-face meetings that are productive and not for the sake of it because you know you you can't our our workforce is an incredibly intelligent workforce so just organizing it face-to-face to to get somebody to come in um will lose their loyalty and and lose their sense of belonging to the organization so it's not easy it's not going to be easy Um, i'm watching it in fact prior to in, in my previous roles um when i was at randstad we had many many clients and we were even going through a time then when some of them were trying to get their people back into the, the workplace. And my, my recruiters were struggling at hiring for people because the organizations had said, um, no, everybody back in the office, there's going to be no hybrid working. Right. And so I think everybody's trying different things. Everybody's learning. And I don't think one size fits all. And I think we have to be mm. patient. But I do think we're going, we, we must not force it and we need to. We need to listen. But yeah, it's not. I do yeah, it's, people are wanting. I do. I do see people wanting to go back in there. So 
everything. Yeah, I think they definitely want, I think they do want it to be hybrid, don't they? Like they still want maybe a couple of days that they can kind of, and also just from an admin or just from it being quiet, that they can kind of get their head down on a few things than being when they are in the office where they can be more sociable. But I think, you know, there is a lot to be said about the social interactions and how you're spending time with people, whether it's, it helps you in your promotions or your relationship building. It just, we love to feel connected, right? It's kind of. We do. We do. Right? And we just that need to plan connection. ahead better. We've, we've not needed to plan ahead whilst we've worked from home all the time. And so we've lost that art. Um, yeah. But you know what though? It's, it's not, it's not broken. We'll, we'll get it, Matt. We'll get yeah. it. Yeah. It's really interesting when you, when you were giving me your opinion on it from JL, was that also, did you find that the line managers, are you still finding that you've got to kind of work with and support line managers on what does that look like? You know, is it a standard kind of policy or do they have to kind of know what their team fit, you know, getting responses from their team, the feedback from the team on kind of what their wants and needs are and how, the, how that maybe that team runs, what their scope of role is. Has that been something that you've had to kind yeah, of consult it's, on? It's really fluid. And I think that, um, I do think that there's a, a lot of commonality and I'm sure it's going to be the same in other organisations where, um, when I mentioned earlier about local country nuances, it actually also boils down to, to roles. So, you know, yeah. what, what's important to a salesperson is going to be very different to an IT engineer. Absolutely. Or somebody in finance and marketing. So it's, um, you've, that, that also plays on it. But I, I, I just get the sense, and I feel in my experience at the moment, is everybody's talking about it, and we're having grown-up conversations, and... And it, what's really lovely is that people are thinking of their teams and, and how to make it work. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they're not sticking their heads in the sand, which is good. Yeah, that is a real change, isn't it? It's really mm -hmm. gone from listening to what the employee experience is going to look like and making sure they're keeping, because I know how hard it is to get people on board and we also want to make sure they stay. Right. <gasps> Absolutely. <laughs> which, which leads me quite well onto my next topic, which is the attraction strategy. So during your career, you've partnered and worked with some of the best names in the industry. In your opinion, what have they done to build and engage a full and diverse candidate pipeline? Hey listeners, time for you to grab a cuppa or maybe a chance to catch your breath on your morning run. Whilst you're doing that, I want to share with you what's new in 2022 for Women in Recruitment Asia. Well, we've extended our service offering to talent acquisition teams where you can now benefit from participating in keynote events, enrolling on mentoring programs, upskilling yourselves from the Weir Academy and access to a catalogue of recruitment resources. Reach out to find out more. The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the new breed tech platform used by 15,000 recruiters worldwide. Vincere is the secret weapon for progressive recruitment firms. It provides recruiters with everything they need to scale from CRM slash ATS through to online timesheets, websites and analytics. A true all-in-one growth platform built by recruiters for recruiters. Learn more about Vinny's story on my exclusive interview with their founder on episode 43 of this podcast. If you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to accelerate growth, visit vincere.io slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Oh, that's a big I, one, isn't it? It is. And I have been so blessed, um, not only to be employed by some, some amazing organizations over the years, but, but also my clients. I've, I've had some fantastic clients and and being in talent acquisition, they just open their arms up to you and, and, and let you in. So 
Um, and I think that when I when I think about that question, I think the bottom line for all of them has been the same, which is how can they truly show their culture before candidates have joined? Um, and of course, that comes down to local considerations and business line and role, role alignment as well. I think one of the biggest learning curves we've had over the years from a talent attraction perspective is you cannot globalize it. It, it just stop it. <laughs> stop trying to do it global. It doesn't work, you know, at all. It's a bit like the DNI, isn't it? Oh, it, they try and yeah. DNI it globally. It just doesn't quite hit it as well. Yeah, yeah. I did. A, I did um, a training course when I was at Randstad. Um, one of the things that was was brilliant was that we we learned about the creating a framework and then creating freedom within the framework, and that's again has resonated with me so much. And this is the perfect example. Give us a framework to work with. Let us know where our boundaries are globally as an organization, but actually give them the ability to adapt locally and then give them the ability to adapt to um, the, 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 the type of role and the seniority's role. So, you know, the companies I've worked for and, and with, it's all about making sure the attraction strategy is relevant. It's got to be built from the business. It, 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 it cannot just be TA. It can't just be HR. Um, it also can't just be the leadership talking. Um, you know, as we look at talent out there in the market, they they want to feel that they can relate with the people that they're seeing on social media and then, of course, that they're seeing in the interview. And if they can't relate, then that's where, where that's where our attraction strategy. So, yeah, it, it's... Your sense that consistency, the, the whole consistency, transparency is probably the right word, isn't it? Yeah. Very much so. And it's yeah. how kind of relate and make a connection so that when they make that connection, then actually that's the, the hardest part is don't want to make that connection. Don't let them go. You know, yeah. Reel them in. How are, you going, how are you teaching that to, say, line managers? Because let's be honest, hiring managers are awful at interviewing. They are. I mean, I'm always busy giving training to hiring managers because no, there's never an emphasis on it. It's kind of expected in our life. It's like being a parent that we're all, all of a sudden supposed to be really good at it. <laughs> which we all know we're not in the first few years, <laughs> decades. Um, so how, how have you found, it may not be from, this question isn't necessarily from a JL perspective because I appreciate you're still fairly new there, but in your experiences, how has successful businesses gone about putting their hiring manager in a position that they can succeed and sell themselves and the organisation and the future of that role? <laughs> So um, what I might say is quite controversial. I don't think anybody, anybody yet has has achieved that. But 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 let me tell you why I think we haven't achieved it yet. When I first got into management many many decades ago, because I am that old, um, I went on week two, maybe even three weeks of pure people management training, where I was trained as a people manager. And even if you came into the organisation and you'd been a people manager, you would be trained again, and it would all be about how to manage your team, how to onboard your team, how to um, bring people in. We don't do that as, as businesses anymore. We may you're do so it. Right. You're, 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 you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We don't. And so, these, yeah. and, and, and I, I genuinely feel pain for the hiring managers because their job is their job. Well, their job is not to be a hiring manager. Absolutely. And so when we then go to them to say, hey, your, your, your social media doesn't really sell you very well and, yeah, no, put a we, photo we, on there for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put an up-to-date photo, not from 20 years ago. 
<laughs> I mean, shy away from, you know as a recruiter in, in the recruitment industry we're asset you know we it's just part of our dna that we're we're all over social media but as we know employees don't join the recruiters they, yeah. they, they join the hiring manager and they join the culture of the organization so um we we just need to keep we need to keep supporting the business at helping hiring managers understand the part that they have to play in the journey absolutely actually recruiters are there to facilitate we're not there to do it for them with a death facilitate and and that's the hardest piece that we're especially now right because now you've got you know before you know a candidate may go forward and have only one or two options that they can look at now they have a huge selection and they are going to be looking at specific things. You know, they tend to sit in the same buckets as, you know, do I get on well with the manager, the team, you know, the location? Is there a hybrid model? What kind of the benefits? What's in it for me? Very much what's in it for me. It's not this, I'm going to be there for 20 years. It's what can I get out of this opportunity for maybe one to two years? And so it's that shift in thinking for the hiring manager, isn't it? In terms of how do I sell myself? How do I create common ground? How do I build rapport? I'm not, I've got to sell to this candidate where before the approach was always, you know, should we, you know, we're testing you. Not anymore. Um, It's two way, right? So it's just a real shift for hiring managers, I think. Yeah. And for TA actually as well. It it is because I still see a lot of my team who, who are going, who are making excuses for hiring managers go, oh, no, don't worry, then I'll do it for you. It's like, no, don't. Yeah, again, it's a bit like being a parent. It's like, if you keep doing it for your hiring manager, they'll never do it for themselves. Yeah, so it, yeah. But, but, I, but I understand where they're coming from. We're, we're pushing them out of their comfort zone. They're also already maxed out with their own work. So if you yeah. come naturally to do those things. So it, let's keep supporting, let's keep talking about it, yeah. And, but I think also candidates, I think we also have a part to play to realize that not everybody is an influencer on social media. And do you really want a boss who is an influencer? You know, it's like, come on, let, let's be realistic in all of this. Yeah, so ask the right questions so that you can get to know that line manager that may be a little bit more introverted and you may not be, but however, they are steady and they are thinking about your career and they're a deep thinker that versus, you know, so it's just kind of, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But it's it's easier said than done, right? In terms no, of <laughs> the power is kind of in the candidates at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's critical than ever for organisations to have a strong talent acqu- attraction and engagement strategy to meet hiring goals. How is JLL adapting and evolving in this new world of work? Yeah, it, 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 this comes back to the, um, the the evolution and and making sure that we are drilling down locally. Um, is is our key focus at the moment. So actually, our key focus is two things. One is the local attraction strategies that create that connection, um, and and also the the piece that that I mentioned earlier, which is the how can we help the hiring managers. So when we look at our attraction strategy, we're not just looking at our our branding or the words that we're going to be using. We're also spending a lot of time with our colleagues in HR go how can we help so where we've got real gaps of being able to attract people into the organization that we're focusing in those areas so again i come back to we're not trying to boil the ocean and turn every hiring yeah. manager into somebody amazing on um, social media but we are we're localizing those attraction strategies really important you mentioned before at the beginning there were some tips or habits i think you said habits um 
what are what are those top habits that TA can help with the talent attraction strategy? What have you found as, as those habits that are working for you at the moment or in the past have worked? Yeah, first of all, involve the business. Do not try and do it on your own, ever. The candidates join the brand and the hiring manager, not the recruiter. We are, and we can become fabulous at selling, telling the, the company that we're hiring for, but actually the, the deeper connection happens. The candidate will stay longer when we involve the business. Uh, another one is we've always got to our, ask ourselves and reflect back because sometimes we build these attraction strategies and we're so proud of ourselves and we think, God, oh, that's amazing. It's like, it's amazing for us, but is our approach that we've built, can the right, can the talent relate to what we've seen? So what does it look like to them? Not what does it look like to the recruiter? Um, so that's, that's the second thing. Always so is that going back to get feedback then? How are you then yeah. assessing that that is working always then? Ask. Always ask. Go, go into the business and people who are doing those roles at the moment, ask them, how would this resonate with you? Don't, don't ask another recruiter or somebody in HR because we will be like, oh, yeah, I so get it. Ask uh, um, somebody who's currently doing that job. Go, hey, if you saw this, what would it mean to you? So always ask, always involve the business. And then the third piece um, is never stop adapting the strategy. So course correct, review, amend, course correct, review, amend. Just keep that going because anything we build today, I guarantee you, is going to be out of date even in six months at the moment. What have been the most in-demand roles that your TA team are hiring currently and what's driving that? Sustainability and change management. And in a way, I, I think those two words or three words um, don't even need an explanation. <laughs> um, you know, sustainability, very much top of mind for everybody. Um, but actually, what does sustainability mean in, in a role can mean so many different things across our organisation and across many organisations. And then, of course, change management. We're not naturally change managers. Some people are, which is fantastic. Um, but it's a bit like how we expect everybody to be a good people manager. Yeah. We now expect everybody to be a good change manager. And yet it's not necessarily everybody's strength or we don't train, uh, we don't train people. So sustainability, um, you know, experience in sustainability and what that means in a role and change management. Are the, are the two biggest things for us. I suppose even those highs coming in, how they influence others within the business to change, right? They're quite yeah. pivot, you're quite important um, talent to have in the organisation. It isn't just their own experiences, and it's how do they impart that in a in a way that doesn't make people uncomfortable because most people don't like change, right? Exactly. <laughs> no one likes We're change. living in it. <laughs> exactly. What can TA do to land the perfect candidate for 2022 and beyond? This comes back to partnering with HR and the business. Um, it cannot be done by TA alone. It cannot be done by TA and HR alone. Um, it's, it's how I refer to it. This is truly a village approach. So it's not just one department. It's working as one team, and that team is the business, HR, and TA. What advice would you give to a junior TA that needed to build a relationship with one of the hiring managers, but one of the hiring managers was a little bit, harder to um you know build that relationship with that was a little bit resistant yeah i think you know and i think being when you're in-house ta this is where you have an opportunity that is 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 sometimes goes amiss go and sit with the business we live in a hot desking world now it, it's not like it was 10 15 years ago go and sit with a business because 
what I what I find happens is that a the a the the recruiter hears so much about what's going on, but also the business suddenly gets to see how hard the recruiter works, and it elevates their credibility, which means that those conversations that they're having can happen quicker and faster. So go and go and sit with the business. I think if you're a recruiter that isn't on site, it is about finding ways to see how you can come in and shadow and and and, and uh, yeah. know, earn that trust by yeah. by by hot desking, hot desking from the office. Yeah, actually, I was just talking to a, I was just talking to the, the recruitment firm called the Barton Partnership recently, and they were saying they just sat for a morning just to see everybody in their clients' offices, and just everyone was you know everyone made the time to come in and see them. And it was that suggestion of, you know, can you do that more often? You know, if you're a trusted partner to them and you've done repeat business with them before, they know you, they trust you. How wonderful to yeah. really get a feel for the place. You can sell the organization so much better. I mean, also just more fun for the recruiter as well. Yeah. <laughs> whether, whether you are in-house or whether you are um, you know, agency recruiters, yeah. the world that we live in with technology nowadays, I, I, I absolutely get, get yourself in that. When I was at Randstad, because I was traveling, I, I would go and be seeing our clients and I'd be there for two or three days. When I wasn't going to go sit in the hotel or a Ramstead office, I went and sat with a client and just and used one of their hot desks. And you yeah. hear and you see and, oh, it's, it's just brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's invaluable, really isn't it? So let's, look, let's move forward to kind of the future of TA. Mm-hmm. What are some of the demands that TA professionals face in their career and how might a TA keep ahead of this to stay on top? Yeah, it's... I think what's really important here is that if you look at a TA professional and, and the, the trajectory of, a, of, a, of their career, the great news is, is that, that our industry has transformed over the last 20 years. And so it's no longer you're either a recruiter or a people manager. However, I think what's really important is that a TA professional needs to be very clear in what it is that they want to do. Because being a good recruiter does not always mean that you're a good people manager. Um, or a good leader. And it's a tough message, but it's a really important one. So, you know, a TA professional, as they look at their career, they can impact their career in one of two ways. You know, they, they could feel that they're being overlooked for promotions that they feel that they should be up for, or they could be being promoted into roles that actually they might not have the right skill set for. So either way, um, they get, we're going to have, we're going to have frustrated TA professionals. So it's incredibly important that our TA professionals know their own strengths. And if they're not sure, to work with their line managers to understand what those strengths are and to play to them um, and not get hung up on what other people are doing and where other people are in their career. Yeah, um, They need to yeah. definitely take control, ask questions, and really listen to understand. Don't, don't just think, oh, a pay rise or tenure. Uh, tenure means that I, need, I, I now get a promotion. Actually play to your strength and if you're not sure what you want then guess what your employer or your line manager is not going to be sure what you want either so it becomes a, a really tri- tricky yeah thing. yeah that's also good just having those mentors isn't it have people within the business or outside I mean we've we've just started with our women in recruitment Asia group we've opened it up to TA now and it's that just being able to show that there are mentors out there that are willing to give time to people because I think 
There's all sorts of kind of learning and trainings for line managers or, you know, recruitment agencies or, you know, but there's, there doesn't seem to be that much concentration on TA. It kind of gets left behind a little bit. Do you find? I don't know. I just feel that there's never this concentration on what they're doing. I don't know. I don't know whether I'm a bit blind to that, but I think they're just running around with it's such a busy job, making that time and being intentional about their le- about learning and upskilling. But as you say before, like taking that control, what do I want to get better at? What am I good at now that I can improve on? What are my development areas? It, it's one of the things that I always start as uh, one of my opening lines when I'm interviewing somebody. It says, I've not met anybody yet who, when they were 15, 16 years old at school, said, I'm going to be in talent acquisition because we, we just, we, we weren't, and we're still not yet a function where people aspire to, might aspire to go into it. So we always, we always fall into it. Everybody I've met, we always fall into it, which creates yeah. laugh. And but then I'm like, well, that's really, really sad. And 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 you're absolutely right. We we don't have yet, and we are getting better. We absolutely are. Yeah, it is getting better. Yeah. Um, but if I think about how a TA professional can help themselves in the future, though, the other piece here is is the technology and innovation. And I know that these are words that we hear all us, you know, hear all the time. And for me, as an industry, we are still letting ourselves down because we teach our TA professionals on how to use the technology, and yet we should be teaching them on how to do their role differently to help them progress using the technology. In what way? When we're saying technology, is it just more mainly, you know, really understanding your CRM, like really, really ensuring you're using it and encouraging others that you fall back on that as opposed to building your own little spreadsheets? It, 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 exactly. And, and that's the right. one great example of, of where we let ourselves down from that. And that's because we don't train, we don't train the right way. It, it's like I, I, I always say, did anybody train you to pick up your phone and use Deliveroo or Grab? Um, and, and it's like, well, no. It's like we, actually, we don't need to train them on how to use everything. Yeah. What we do need to do, though, is help them understand. We need to help them unlearn ways of working. Yeah. Because Technology has a part to play. It, it will never replace ta- talent acquisition completely, but it is going to move things along further and TA professionals need to be at ease with it. Um, there's always going to be the human part, but the more, the more I see organizations that there's just this expectation that every TA professional now is being asked, oh, but how can we use technology? How, you know, how can we use AI? How can we... Now, if we don't get comfortable with that, then... It's yeah, it's gonna it's gonna up. leave you behind, isn't it? And is that something like the AI side AI side that you will see m- more prevalent within TA in terms of taking out a part of that experience where candidates are applying and there's a bot? You know, I see that with a lot of recruitment firms that are doing that. So is that something that you're that, that will eventually you see replacing one phase or um, certain part of the um, candidate attraction side? Yes, and I think it's but, but I think it's. It's going to be very different for what I call high volume repeatable roles versus niche roles. So technology is going to have a different part to play in different parts of the recruitment process, depending on those things. Um, so that's the other piece where we can't we can't all be experts in the whole thing of talent acquisition because there are those dynamics where it is different if it's volume hiring versus um, you know niche. Um, one-off skill sets and how does technology help us there it, it is going to be very different mm. and it already yeah. is very different yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it what could organizations do to prevent talent moving on how do you feel about attrition in a company healthy or 
are not so healthy. <laughs> Invest in your L and D departments, please, please. please. Yeah. <laughs> Spend yeah. money without L and D. Oh, it's breaking yeah. my heart. It's absolutely breaking my heart. You know, we've mentioned here early on about the line managers um, and the struggles they face, and and you know, the easiest of things to say is, well, let's hold line managers more accountable because you know that they're losing all these people. It cannot be down to line managers alone, and it can't be down to HR alone. Um, the only way we can fix this is investing more in our L and D department yeah. and recognizing that the, the time that it's needed to be a people leader, and that it's not just an add-on to their job. Um, yeah, it's you know, part of the job, absolutely. But saying that, attrition is healthy. I, I believe. I think it's very healthy for a company. I think what what companies need to look at the moment is losing someone in the first 18 months is our biggest loss at the moment. And the cost of the business and the culture is incredibly dangerous. So I think, again, don't boil the ocean. Look for, and this is a great opportunity, is instead of trying to look at all of the, the attrition and the retention, it's like, actually, what are we doing in our first year, maybe, in the first 12 months? And if that's when everybody's leaving, then drill down into that. And, and right. that comes from the talent department, the L&D department. Uh, I just, I, I just feel companies talking to my friends and colleagues out there around the world, all companies are feeling very overwhelmed at the moment with that. And don't bore the ocean, go after bike-sized pieces, um, but, but spend some money, please. <laughs> yeah, and you not find it though. Yeah, not even yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, not even just yeah. What, what happens with um, when you're saying that sometimes that you know in your experiences talking to peers, first twelve months there can be sort of challenges of people going. What are you seeing as those fundamental reasons why people are going then within with it? I know because it's a generalist question for you, but what are what is generally the reasons why people are leaving? Is it the manager, or is it other factors? No, and interestingly enough, actually, pe- people are leaving after the eighteen months, two years because of that because of the manager because because they're not getting the career path they want. Those people leaving the first year to 18 months um, is just the, the sense of being overworked. And well, everybody is as busy anyway, but if you're busy and you're learning your job and you're learning your company, people are just going, I'm not, I'm not standing, I didn't sign up for this. So there's a really big sense of this is not what I signed up for. And because they've only recently joined, they feel it's easier to move on then because they've already been in the motions of interviewing. And whereas yeah. in an organization to you, the, the longer you're in an organization, the harder it is to make that, that, that call. So if you're so managing expectations then at, at an interview stage, because it, is it saying that the role is too much and it's the job of two people? Or is it the fact that we're not being honest with the, that, you know, we need to be attracting more resilient individuals that are able to take on that role is such a it's a tricky one isn't it yeah the tricky one it is a minefield um but then you see technology has a part to play in this as well from a business perspective it's like well if we don't have the talent if we don't have the people on the ground to do the jobs where are we looking at to help technology help them nobody's talking about at the moment that this is fear of unemployment due to technology coming and taking us over because actually people are saying they don't have the people in their organizations. Yeah. So it's be fascinating in 20 years time when somebody else is doing this podcast because we will both be retiring. Is that Hopefully not dead for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but what conversations will they be having there? I, I just feel yeah. we, we're, yeah, we, we haven't mastered that either yet. But. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. 
Right, I'm, we're getting on to the quick fire questions. So we're almost to the end. Wow, it's gone, so, it's gone by so quickly. That's what happens when you're having fun. Um, what are you reading or listening to at the moment that has had an impact on you personally or professionally? So I, um, I'm reading and, and I hate, I don't like the title of this because I, I'm, a, I'm an optimist and I love positive language, but I'm actually reading and listening to The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Oh, I love that. The fable. Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. Um, and Pat Lentiani, right? Yeah. yeah. And whilst I'm yeah. concerned about the negative word, um, despite all, uh, all the dysfunctions, um, it's resonating with me in how I can lead a team through change that have all been working very much at a geographical level, but actually I now need a sort of bond, bond as one team. And I just, I love the way it's written. Yeah, and, and yeah. Isn't it the five? Tri- isn't it the triangle? So it's 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 five. It's sort of you got to build trust and uh, yeah. constructive conflict, accountability, results. I think I'm missing one. Uh, commitment. Commitment. There we go. Yeah. Um, and it's having and doing that over time, right? So that you're then building this function. Yeah, I I, I, do, I actually do quite a lot of um, training on the on the five dysfunctions because when you read the fable, Pat Lenciano has an affiliation with DISC. He, um, he likes using the DISC personality model. And so when you'll find as you read through it, if it's the same one that I'm, I'm reading, because he's changed, he's, he's kind of modified that book over time. He now has a relationship with the DISC personality model. And so there are actually workshops where I, you do five behaviours of a team um, and then you're also looking at their DISC model. So you're looking at the personality model and you're running workshops alongside with the five behaviours of a team and their DISC model. So that's kind of a, yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> it, it is yeah, a thing, I, but, I, but I love listening to the the, the audio book as well as reading the, the, the book as well, because the audio book at the moment or version that I've got is like a live, it's not even like reading a book about um, this team and their personalities and what's going yeah. on in the boardroom, but it feels yeah. more like a... It's not, not, it's not like a Netflix film. Well, they called it a fable. He calls it a fable, a fable. which is perfect for it, right? So what the reason so the reason he's going into those characters is what you'll see, he's, he will then start describing the DISC personality style, whether they're dominant, steadiness, influence, conscientious, and then how you adapt into that and why some people have got to come off the bus, some yeah. stay on, how can we move them on different parts of the bus? So he's a brilliant keynote speaker, Very but I think one. that fable Very was... So easy to read, so yeah. simple, but really great one to buy new leaders just to go, like, here's your onboarding kit. Yeah. You're a new, you know, you're a leader or you've just been promoted to a manager. Read this book because it, it actually is just, it's, you can read it in a few hours. It's really impactful, you know? Yeah, I love it. I'm and a big I, fan and of I love book. it from a TA perspective because it also gives us great insights into why some of our business leaders work the way they do. So it's not that yeah. we're here to change how business leaders operate, but we can understand more about how they're operating and where they're coming from. So yeah, it, it works in both lenses. It Myself does. as a leader, I love to learn every single day. But then also, how can I interpret what the business are doing and how they're working? Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, it's really inter- It's a really interesting one. Everyone should go out and buy it. Last question: What myth about TA professionals would you like to debunk? We do more than just fill roles. <laughs> very clear <laughs> about that. <laughs> like that one <laughs> yeah, that's a whole new podcast on to d- debunking that one I think isn't it yep so we do more than just the role so I I love to describe it and I do see the business react with a giggle as, I, as I'm describing this but you know look we're a balance of private detectives and marriage guidance counsellors or matchmakers good description and with that comes the ability to see exactly what's going on so 
you know, to me, don't underestimate your, your talent acquisition professional because th their opinion is on how your business is being run. It's fantastic. And they, and they sit on the outside of it. And so, you know, we're in such a privileged position to see deep into workings of many organizations. Um, and we see what's working and what's not. So, you know, to me, value your TA professional's opinion, even if they're just a new, not just, that's a very negative, you know, but even if they are new to the organization coming in as a recruiter, they are that, they're private detective. So they're watching and they're listening and, and they will have an opinion. Um, and right. then if you, and for those TA professionals out there, you know, work for a leader or a company that values you more than just filling roles. Really important. That's great advice. I love that. Thank you for your time and being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you and having a coffee in person soon. Yes, absolutely. Without a doubt. If you would like to be in contact with Victoria Murphy at JLL, then please check out the show notes on this episode where her contact details will all be found and any details of anyone mentioned on the show. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, don't be stingy. Share it with as many people as you can. Rate it and review it on Spotify or iTunes. If you're a recruitment leader or talent acquisition manager and looking to join a group that embraces diversity and inclusion, please reach out and join Women in Recruitment Asia. Packed full of events, recruitment resources, mentoring programs and its own learning academy. Full of recruitment goodies to make your life sourcing, interviewing and influencing a breeze. Check out the show notes for more details. Stay safe out there and be kind to each other. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.